Louise Cooney's Open Book, a Go Loud original podcast. Hello and welcome back to Louise Cooney's Open Book, the book podcast that you don't need to be a reader to enjoy. We sit down each week with well-known personalities for honest conversations about life and the stories that shape it. Our guest today is Dr. Hazel Wallace. She's the founder of The Food Medic, a medical doctor, a registered nutritionist, and a best-selling author. And I'm just so excited to learn from her, to have the chats, and to hear a little bit more about her story. First, we're going to do a little open book club check-in. We're reading Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Sam and Sadie have started creating their own game, which I'm excited to see what happens there and how their relationship develops. Just wondering, anyone reading it as well, do you see that becoming a thing? Do you see that beco- like developing into a bigger relationship? There seems to be a lot of love there, but I don't know if it's like really romantic love, maybe from Sam's side, not from Sadie's side. What do you think? And what did you make of her relationship, her past relationship with Dove? Do you think that affected like where she was mentally? Myself and Sarah are going to be sitting down next week to chat through everything as far as we've gotten. We're reading to page 200 for next week because it is quite a long book and I'm listening to it on Audible. We'd love to hear from you. Openbook at goloudnow.com is the email if you want to send in your thoughts or if you want to share your good books and your bad books. So now let's open the book on Hazel Wallace. Thank you so much, Hazel, for joining us today. I'm so grateful. I know you have a million things going on. You're the founder of The Food Medic. You're a medical doctor, registered nutritionist, podcaster, best-selling author. I mean, the list just goes on and on. I know you've just recently published your third book, The Female Factor, Making Women's Health Count and What It Means for You. And I have really, really enjoyed learning and like reading the different bits and also showing my boyfriend being like, did you know this? It's so interesting. What made you decide to write this? Oh, I love that you're showing your boyfriend because um, I, you know, one of the first questions I have got asked once I released the book is, is it just for women? And while I wrote the book specifically through a female lens, I really hope that there are more men out there who want to understand more about the female body. So that's amazing. Um, but what got me to write the book in the first place, like historically, um, I guess traditionally I've nutrition has always been my interest. I'm a medical doctor in the sense that I trained in medical school and trained as a doctor in a London hospital, but nutrition was always my my big interest. And I retrained as a nutritionist a couple of years after qualifying. Um, my first two books were about that. But about three years ago, I found that um, there was this huge gap in how we're treating men and women in terms of health and healthcare. And I wanted to understand that a bit more because it wasn't really something that we talked about at medical school. Like, obviously, there's very clear differences between a man and a woman when it comes to health, but it's mostly, you know, reduced down to like women have ovaries and they can conceive, et cetera, et cetera. But we are very different on a you know every uh, every different level down to the cell and that means you know how we experience health and disease is different how we respond to treatments is different and it wasn't until like the last you know very recent decades that we started to understand this and so most of the research we have is actually based on a male body um, mm-hmm. which still surprises people but i i wanted to learn more about this and 
write a book on it and also make it really practical. So it wasn't just me telling people that there's this big problem and it to be very activist or, um, you know, feel like the world is against us as women, but really help women to understand their hormones, what this means across like a month or if they're pregnant or going through the menopause, Mm -hmm. how that influences their nutrition, how that influences their strength and energy levels in the gym, um, how it might affect their sleep and also their mood. And just help women really feel heard for the first time because as a doctor, I always hear women come to me and feel like they're not getting listened to by healthcare professionals or they're feeling gaslit or it's just reduced to it's in your head or it's just your hormones or it's just the time of the month. And as as much as they were sick of hearing it, I was sick of hearing it too. So this writing this book was really cathartic for me as a woman as well. Yeah, no, it is really practical. Like you talk about things like heart disease, um, I suppose myths, like is heart disease just a male disease and the vitamins and minerals we need and things like what you should be taking and eating during pregnancy and all this stuff that I actually didn't know. I didn't know women are more likely, you know, to experience stress-related conditions, you know, than men. I just found that so interesting. But um, I suppose like what you're talking about, it's like it is a thing that applies to various aspects of our lives. Like I remember recently I was at a talk and a woman was talking about how cars are built for men. You know, they they weren't always necessarily built for the woman body. So I'm I really appreciate what you're doing and kind of sharing that knowledge around women's health and what it means for each of us. So thank you so much. But just to get started, let's do a little check in. We do this. Every other week on our podcast, we do like good books and a bad books. And this is kind of a funny way of just saying, how are you? So what is in your good books this week? Oh, I don't know. I guess um, for me, I've been, I'm currently in Dubai working remotely, um, which is something that I've been working towards since leaving kind of the NHS. And I am working on building a course around female menstrual health. So for me, it's been a big a big work week, but it's been challenging and also rewarding at the same time. That's amazing. I actually saw on your Instagram that you're traveling around and you only recently left the NHS, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I left this year um, and like indef- indefinitely, I haven't made any you know plans to not go back, but mm-hmm. I got to the point in, in kind of my career where I really wanted to put my time and energy into the Food Medic, which is my kind of online platform, and really focus on on women's health and and filling that gap Mm -hmm. within that space. So it was a hard hard call because I I love seeing patients, and I you know I I really miss that aspect of it. But I also like know that I'll kick myself if I'm you know 60 years of age and think back. I should have just done it when I had the opportunity. So I'm giving it a go and it's scary and exciting all at the same time. I can imagine like you have such a huge audience there through your website, through your podcast, your Instagram. You're going to help and you already are helping so many people with, you know, reaching them in that way and sharing that information that's not really that easily found online, I think anyway. So I think that's amazing. Um, What's in your bad books this week? Bad books, I'm just like at the start of my menstrual cycle, so I'm not feeling that great. 
Um, but I'm trying to use all the things I tell women to do and do what I say. Um, and um, yeah, just getting through it. But you know yourself, it can make you feel a little bit like less motivated to get up and go and get work done and go to the gym and eat healthily. Do you know what? Like for years I've been going to the gym and I, I love it like for my head more than anything, you know. But I go and some days I'm like, you know, some days you're just more tired than others. And that's what I'd always say to myself. But I didn't actually really ever understand the science behind it. Like, you know, depending on what stage of your cycle you're at or, you know, all these different things that factor into it. So yeah. I'm going to like I'm going to use that as a kind of guide for what I should be doing. And I love that you have that in your book, the different levels of exercise you should be doing based on the time of the month. It's really helpful. Yeah, love that. Getting started into some of our questions that are based around books. They're not just for readers. I don't know. Are, are you much of a reader yourself? I am, but I have to say I have recently fallen off the kind of bandwagon a bit. Like during all the different lockdowns, I was like eating my way through books, like a book a week on average. And now I kind of will have a book for about a month maybe two months and like dip in and out um but I like there's nothing better I think than like finding a good novel and just not being able to put it down yeah I think everyone has those moments they're different you know life can just be so hectic in saying that everyone still has those moments that you've taken from books or those memories that you associate with reading or the lessons you've learned from them or the person who passed it down to you and things like that what for you is like maybe your first memory of reading? Um, so for me, like my dad was a big reader and um, he used to always inscribe the like inside page of any books that he got for me or my siblings. And so loads of my childhood books have all these like writings in the inside, which will be like, um, dear Hazel, hope you have a great time on holidays and like just a little message from my dad um, who passed away when I was 14. So now these books are like really special to me, even though they they always were special. But yeah, I guess for me, it's like nostalgic. Of course, I literally am getting goosebumps listening to that. <laughs> I think that must be so lovely just to have that that memory just sitting there on your shelf and you can pick it up and pass it down to maybe your kids someday or, you know. It's, it's yeah. so lovely. When you look back on your teenage years, what kind of a what kind of a teenager were you? Did reading play a part at all? I think it did in my early teenage years, and I mean, like early, early when it was like Jacqueline Wilson style books, mm. and I was like, you know, learning more about boys and things like that. But mm. as I, you know, went to secondary school, I think again, like my interest waxed and waned because I feel like it wasn't seen as something that was really cool to be like into books. Um, <laughs> Says but, the medical doctor, the founder of everything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I was probably just reading them on the sneak. I actually did work in a bookshop for a little while um, and I really got into World War Two history. So I used to read a lot of like um, like books that were basically factual about World War II, which sounds really boring. Um, but it was something that I, you know, I was really interested at the time. I love that. Like, I feel like that's, that's me on TikTok these days. I'll go down these rabbit holes <laughs> of something really specific and want to learn more about it. And then I'll be watching a program and I'll be looking at the books and it's like all encompassing, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, absolutely. What do you think people would be surprised to find on your bookshelf? I don't know, actually. I have mostly cookbooks, lots of like scientific textbooks, which I guess isn't going to be a surprise, female health. And then I've got like quite a few poetry books um, and books about relationships, which I, I guess isn't something that I would share like publicly, publicly because not that I'm like ashamed of it or anything, but I just don't like see it adding value to the content that I provide. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, I, I, especially in my kind of late twenties, went through this kind of period where I was single and I was just kind of reanalyzing like what I wanted in a partner and you know my own kind of relationship styles and things like that so I found that really interesting to like learn from um I think there's a huge amount of pressure for women especially as they approach their 30s to like find someone and if you don't then you're like considered like unsuccessful for whatever reason and Mm -hmm. so I really worked hard to like unravel those feelings and and I found it really interesting like once I got really deep into it yeah I was a bit like that too I met my boyfriend just like not even two years ago I was 28 and it was scary Mm -hmm. like I was living at home during the pandemic I was like wow I've really really gone backwards here haven't I but even if (laughs) work was going well or even if everything else was going well even if I was a good friend and a good daughter it was like oh but you know you don't have someone you're not like you know you're not really ticking that box though even I can imagine for you, yeah. you've, you are so successful, but even if it's yourself, it's kind of something where you're brought up with in a way like, oh, but you haven't done this. You haven't found your your other half as if it's something that really has to be done in order to to kind of validify everything you've already achieved. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any books in particular that, that you found very helpful? Yeah, um, Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller, I want to say, is the other author. Um, and I feel like this is this was one of the best books that I found for understanding your like romantic relationships. And also it's really well researched and um, I found it useful even when I was single and I found it useful when I reread it when I was in a relationship because I think your attachment styles can change over time and basically you can be anxious secure or avoidant and I have previously seen myself like quite anxious in different relationships and I think that was because it wasn't the right relationship for me to be in whereas like now I see myself in a very secure attachment style I feel I don't have those behaviors anymore and I think doing the work and understanding it and like really yeah understanding why we behave certain ways in relationships and how they can actually sabotage our happiness and um, was really interesting for me personally yeah and do, can you read that and almost look at your boyfriend and say right this is what you are now I know what style yours is as well, yours is as well. yeah I think because he's so secure mm. I was like oh well this is normal and there was no like avoidant behavior where he was just like he wasn't trying to avoid commitment and he was very much like upfront about everything and there was no like jealousy or maladaptive behaviors that like I've seen previously and I was just like oh this is what a healthy relationship looks like and if he's going to trust in me then I'm going to trust in him and it allowed me to like 
be myself and also not like occupy so much brain space worrying about this other person about whether they're going to break my heart or not I know I feel like that sounds like a healthy relationship when you don't have to worry about that and I look back I've had that that too and I only heard about this book recently attached but I downloaded it and I listened to the first couple of chapters and I was like god where was this book when I was you know single or dating the wrong person <laughs> like it is so it is so helpful our producer sitting here and she's like I need this book <laughs> yeah but it is it's helpful just to learn about yourself first you're going you know if you're dating you're going out there then knowing what kind of a person you want and what you know what can make your life a lot easier save yourself a lot of time and hassle yeah absolutely in the story of your life what's been the biggest plot twist oh um so I guess when I lost my dad when I was 14 that really was the biggest turning point in my life I would say and up until then you know always thought I was going to go to college or university and study business or something along those lines because that's what like you know everyone in my family was doing and after that moment decided to be a doctor and after that moment became really interested in the role of like nutrition and lifestyle in our health and I would not have become a doctor and I would not have started the food medic and I would not have written the books I'd written if it wasn't for that moment so as devastating as it was it really like made my life and the work that I do like a vocation if that makes sense and kind of made something good come from a really terrible situation. You can tell by looking at everything you do online and by reading your books, like it's obviously a passion project. There's no way you could commit yourself so much if it wasn't. So mm. I think it's definitely, it's it's a lovely way to look at something so, so sad that happened to you. Are you still close with all your family at home? They still live in Ireland, some of them, do they? Yeah, they do. Um, my mum still lives in Dundalk. Um, but one of, I've got two older sisters and one of them lives over in, well, close to London. So she's close to me, which is nice. And the other one lives back home as well, but we still like do, you know, we'll all go back for Christmas and family events and things like that. So we're still quite close. Oh, I mean, that's a no distance at all. You'd be over and back in like an hour. So you're so lucky. If you could take a, a leaf out of anyone's book, who would it be and why? Oh, that's such an interesting question. I think I would love to have like the confidence of like Beyonce. I feel like my biggest, my biggest flaw is that like, I don't back myself enough. And I sometimes just need to give myself like a chat to and and be like, you completely have this. And I feel like someone like Beyonce definitely has that energy. I know, but I guess I wonder, is that the, the Sasha Fierce, the, the persona she plays? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, even in your own head, sometimes it's it would be helpful to just really believe in everything you do. <laughs> Imagine how, yeah. how much you could do and how far you could go if you just really believed everything was going to work out. I know, I know. We've kind of touched on this, but we're reading a love story. What's your advice for the main character? Um, To, like first of all fall in love with yourself and know what you want from your life before looking for anyone else because I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make and I have definitely been guilty of this in the past is 
really loving someone and then feeling like I need to bend and change my life to make them happy. And while I do think a bit of compromise is, you know, healthy in a relationship, I think if you have to completely overhaul your life to to the detriment of your happiness and your goals in life, then that's never going to work out. Um, so definitely find yourself first and, and like learn to date yourself and fall in love with yourself first. Yeah. Do you find like because you're so busy and because you've so much going on, did you find that made th- it even harder in a way to to meet the right person or to meet people or date? Yeah, I think I I just never prioritized it. And then like lockdown was quite helpful for me in that like it made me it meant I couldn't date anyone really and also had to just kind of do the work and read all these books and really like be happy in my own company and even when the world opened up like I took myself to like Malta for a month and I was just like you don't have to wait for someone to take you away and like go by yourself and learn to be comfortable in the discomfort of being by yourself and the month I came back I was like, I'm just going to take a break from dating because I'm, you know, I'm really happy and I just want to spend time with my friends. And it was that month that I met my boyfriend who, and we've been together for 13, 14 months now. And it's just funny how like when things just align when you're not really looking for them. I know. And people always say that. And I used to always say that I found it a little bit condescending when I when people would say that to me when I was single. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, if you don't put yourself out there. How are you going to meet the right person? And da da da. But it is true. I think I think once you have the, I suppose, done the self care and the work on yourself, then things start to align. You know, it's like, I suppose, when you're ready. But uh, it's funny. I agree. Like we could have a very good conversation, a very long conversation about all of this. But it sounds like you're <laughs> happy and looking at your Instagram now. It looks like you just are living the best life, traveling the world and just making the most of it. I will say Instagram is a highlight reel. And I, as exciting as it does look when you're like, oh, I'm traveling and working remotely. It's, it can also, there's also downsides to it as well. And like nothing in this life comes without like, you know, kind of the bad sides. And so, yeah, I would I would say like I'm ultimately really happy to be in the position that I'm in and in a really healthy relationship. But I do have moments where I'm like, it's so hard to run a business online, especially in the kind of, you know, climate that we we're currently living through. And mm-hmm. the stress of like social media can sometimes be quite hard and expectations that people have on you, like all of that definitely does, you know, is quite prominent in my life as well as all the good things. Yeah, I mean, I get that because I work it, I work in this too. And I think especially this time of year, everything starts to get a little bit hectic. But, yeah. um, you know, you just kind of have to, I, I think doing it over a period of time, like how long have you been doing this now? 10 years. I think having that experience has got to help, you know, first time it happens seems like a big deal. I suppose as time goes on, you're like, that really wasn't a big deal. And then everyone's fine. And, you know. Absolutely. What has been the hardest part of, of traveling? Yeah, I would say that like I'm I'm a creature of habit and I love like my comforts. Like mm. I love having like my own desk and like space at home where I work from and kind of moving around and living in airbnbs where like you're not sure if the wi-fi is going to be good or like you know the working setup and there's like not there's three of us traveling together so like just navigating that's like also you know sometimes it can be really stressful 
and um, we went from Bali to Dubai. So th- I found that part more more like the environmental aspects of it. Mm-hmm. But after a few weeks, you kind of ease into it like you would anywhere, really, and you kind of learn you know where the local shop is and once you get a gym and like it becomes then like a home really really quickly and you know we've been traveling for three months and we come back in two weeks so it feels like now it's going really fast and I think I'll really miss being away once I get back you'll be glad you have the highlight reel to look back on but I can (laughs) I can relate to what you're saying I moved to New York in 2019 and like I had such a good routine here, you know, I loved my gym. I used to get up really early every morning and, you know, I just knew everyone. I knew how work happened and it was like literally, right, let's just turn this upside down and start from scratch. And it was so hard mm-hmm. and it was really like really threw me out of my comfort zone. But I, I, a big believer in when you're out of your comfort zone, that's when you're learning and growing and making memories and doing kind of the important stuff, you know, so you, I'm sure you'll be excited to get back to your, your own routine, though, in, in two weeks. Get back to your, you know, home setup, your home comforts. Yeah, yeah. And it will be, you know, like, there's nowhere better to be, um, you know, in December than London. Well, London and Dublin, I love both places. And I'll definitely be at home for, for Christmas. I just think, like, it's so nice being in kind of cities that, like, really celebrate Christmas. And it's a bit colder and cozy. Oh my God, and this week has gotten so much colder here. If you walk down the street, it's like, <laughs> feels like Christmas has started because like, it's kind of like a lot busier, you know, and all the lights are up and oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Are you going to put up a tree this year? Yes. Well, I mean, this is my first year living with my boyfriend. I don't really think he's a Christmas tree kind of guy, but I think I'll just have to put one up anyway, oh because it will feel weird if we don't have one, <laughs> even though we won't be there for Christmas. I'll just get a little one. Uh, yeah just to just to like for the build up <laughs> the, the cozy nights before yeah just to decorate it what have you closed the book on um caring too much about what people think okay that's a good one I feel like it's it's easier said than done and I definitely haven't finessed it but it's something that I've learned to do in more recent years like I just feel like it stopped me from doing so many things in my earlier in my early 20s like mm. worrying about like what people think especially like being a, a personality online you get opinions from people who don't even know you and um, but also like worrying about like what my family think or friends will think and well that's like it's important to have their opinions I think ultimately if it feels good for you then that should be the most important thing and so I've always kind of I've started to like go on that like if it feels good for me it's not hurting anyone else then this is something I should do yeah that's so good like listening to your gut and I think when you're in that online position you have so many people there it must you know it's hard to take all of these opinions on board I'm I can relate to that because like I am somebody who I want people to like me that's just the way I am you know I don't I'm not really like Mm -hmm. somebody who shares like controversial opinions or you know, I try and add value to people's lives. And I mean, you do that a whole lot better than me. But like, <laughs> I, it's just silly to, when you say it out loud to think, am I worrying about what people I don't even know think of me? Like, because that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, you know. But obviously when you're yeah. in it, it, it's different, you know. And it's it just takes, I think, training of, of your brain to be like, right, well, this is one person, you know, and we don't even know if this is a real account or, you know, they, they're entitled to have their own opinion or, you know, this kind of thing. 
there's a whole lot of yeah, uh, absolutely mental mental talking to myself that I do to try and help that. But what have you found helps? Yeah, I think like you said, kind of like really taking a step back and and having perspective. Like, right, that can be their opinion, but what does this? You know, this says nothing about me. And ultimately, like people will give you their opinions based on their experiences as well. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to like untangle that. So, you know, if sometimes it can be well-intentioned and someone might just, you know, be thinking they're being helpful and giving you a piece of advice, but sometimes it's like ill-intentioned and they just feel jealous or they've had a bad day and they just want to take it out on you. And I think especially when it's online, and someone's typing it it's very easy to be blunt or be offensive if you're like then how you would be if you're speaking to someone in the street you like wouldn't be as rude to them and I think like it's you know it's kind of worrying because like more and more we're communicating online versus communicating like over the phone or in person or on video and that really creates a barrier for like how we connect with people and like remember like that's another human being and they've got feelings too and they've got a life experience and you know it could be your sister or your brother or whoever. I know I mean I hope we'll get to a stage where people kind of are held accountable or maybe it's a little harder to sign up or something just so that people have to be accountable you know for for how they treat people because you wouldn't get away with saying that really to somebody's face, you know, unless you were brave enough to say it to someone in the street, like, you know. So I guess I hope at some point it will be like that on social media that your name is is held to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, agree. Even saying that, like people, it's so easy for people to complain or give out. I was sitting in, um, I just I got lunch before this and I was sitting somewhere and I could hear people being quite rude to the waiter. And I was like okay that guys that that's enough like in my head but I got to look at them and see who they were and I got to kind of judge them for it do you know what I mean whereas like yeah. that happen online yeah no one can like holds them accountable or yeah I just I find it so interesting and I mean to be honest like I don't really I don't really get trolled or anything in touch with <laughs> a lot of friends who are influencers would and like people can say such terrible things it blows my mind, you know, and you go on their accounts and they're like, like they're mothers or like, you know, they are health professionals. And you're like, how can you say these things? And like on a, on a public domain and like not think that it's going to cause anyone any harm or like not really think about the repercussions. Like it just, I don't know. I don't know. I think also like there needs to be just more monitoring of that, like online, but anyway. I think it has gotten better. You know, I feel like the Instagram and stuff, they've they've gotten a little bit better and they're they're working on it. So fingers crossed 2023, it'll continue to get better. But uh, on another note, if you could only read one book for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh, that's so hard. I feel like I'd have to, can I like say a collection or is it just one book? We'll let you say it. I'd say that like the Harry Potter collection. If I could only say one, then I'd probably just go at like the OG Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone because I don't know how many times I've read that book and that collection and watched the movies, but like I still love it. And the very first time I read it, like Harry and his mates in the book were like 11 and the time it came out, I was also the same age. And so 
I just felt like I grew up with them. Yeah. Um, and it, gave, it makes me feel like every time I watch it or read it, I feel like I'm just back in that like magical Hogwarts with them. It's such a special collection. I feel like we're heading back into Harry Potter movie season with Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. For I love it. it. <laughs> What's your next chapter, do you think? I mean, I know you've you've just finished another book and you were busy. <laughs> But what is what what does the next chapter look like for you? Um, I think it's I'm like stepping into another career shift. Um and writing the female factor was like a real pivot moment for me from just being known as the food medic and putting out information on nutrition and kind of health to like really being uh like a voice in the space of for female health and like an advocate for female health and I didn't realize like how rewarding that would be and the response I had off the back of like the book especially in Ireland and the UK but like even in like Australia and the US and Canada like just like this out- outpouring of women saying like like finally I, I understand why I feel this way and I feel listened to and it just made me like really want to do more work in this space so I think that's my next chapter and I'm like I feel really good about it. Yeah, that's such like an empowering move for you and like I would think of it as almost like the Bible when I was reading it and kind of flicking through the different pages because obviously not every part of it applies to it. Like there's stuff about um pregnancy, there's stuff about menopause, there's stuff about you know, just a whole load of different things. And I feel like it would be such a good giving quite Christmas present for someone because it's just something you can keep on your shelf forever. It's also very pretty. <laughs> oh, pretty thank you. Okay, I have one more question for you before we finish up. What's your happily ever after? Mm-hmm. I think my happily ever after is being in a healthy relationship with myself and my partner and hopefully still doing the work that I'm doing now because it brings me so much value and so much joy and ideally living in a country where it allows me to do the things like that I love which is mostly being outdoors and mostly by the beach so things like surfing and running and so ideal scenario is that I'll end up somewhere warm like Australia. Oh wow amazing have you been there before? (laughs) I've been a couple of times. I, I went during my medical training and I've been back since. It's such a far, far away place from home. That's my only kind of reservation. But if I could pick like the one place that I think makes me feel like ticks all the boxes, it would be somewhere in the Gold Coast in Australia. Oh my God, that's so exciting. I've never been. I have to add it to my list. Do, do. And the people are so lovely. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed chatting to you and I can't wait to just get even more stuck into your book. Your book, The Female Factor, is available now nationwide for anyone who wants to pick it up and online everywhere. And I'm so excited to hear for you that it's a bestseller in Ireland and the UK at the moment, isn't it? Yes, yes, thank you. And it was actually, um, it's just been um, nominated for the Irish Book Awards, so the results come out at the end of the month fingers crossed it's good news fingers crossed for sure thank you so much again hazel and i'll talk to you soon no worries thank you for having me 
well that's it for this week guys thank you so much for joining and a big thanks to Hazel for coming on I hope you get a chance to pick up her new book she is just incredible and everything she's doing for women's health is unbelievable we're reading to page 200 next week the book is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow it's definitely not too late to join because we're taking it kind of slow and I would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast on what's in your good books and bad books if you have any recommendations or ideas for who we should get on or what should we talk about on here please do let us know at openbook at goloudnow.com and as always I'm going to do the shameless plug can you please share rate subscribe all those good things because it, it helps us grow and it helps us get better guests on I hope you enjoyed this week I really did enjoy chatting to Hazel and I will talk to you next week when I'm back with Sarah